With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. I am Matt Jones. Joining me, as ever, and that seems to be quite a common theme, actually, Connor, when Everton lose at home. It's just me and you, isn't it? Everybody else just cries off, you know, when, when they get towards the end of the week, we're previewing a different game, they're, they're all back again, but... Me and you are the hardcore. We're here. But crucially, mate, huge day. Because uh, about an hour ago, as we're sitting here now, on Tuesday afternoon, Everton confirmed the signing of a centre forward. It's Beto. He's from Udinese. He's big, he's fast, and, and hopefully he's uh, he's going to score plenty of goals for us, mate. How, how do you feel about this one? Well, if there's Oprah and words anything to go by, he loves scoring goals, and you know he knows that the team <laughs> needs need goals. So that's, you know... But, Always oh, good to have a forward who wants to score goals, isn't it? But uh, no, I think the overriding feeling is just kind of relief that Everton have brought a senior, you know, kind of experienced centre forward. And obviously, Yusuf Shimiti joined the joined the club earlier on this summer um, in a in a deal from Sporting CP. Obviously, in terms of Shimiti, I think Sean Dyche lose it that he's a little bit away in terms of being that main number nine. Um, he's certainly one who I think is, is more for the development this season. Although he, he was chucked on at, at the end against. Well, chucked on towards the end of, of Saturday's game against Wolverhampton Wanderers. But I don't think we'll see him kind of start and leading the line on a regular basis. I think Sean Dyche is very much keen to, you know, ease Yusuf Shemetti into, into the fold. So in terms of Beto, that's why it was so important to bring in an experience into forward. Obviously, Shay Adams was linked. Um, most recently, I went as a bid rejector for him. Obviously, to start the summer, Rodrigo at Leeds United was under consideration. You know, Dembele was another one. You know, I've tried to bring in a centre forward, but, you know, for various reasons it's not quite come to fruition I think there's there's obviously issues around transfer fees and wages uh, etc but they finally got a map they finally got their man I think is the big the big takeaway from all this because obviously he's someone who Everton tried to bring in in January towards the end of that panicked what in being a dreadful window and um, they, they spoke to an easy and better I think over a deal but nothing could, could nothing could be agreed especially given it was on the on the final day but you know they finally now got their man and you know hopefully what better was said this afternoon after joining the club comes true and he scores lots of goals for Everton and you know he fixes the biggest problem that Sean Dice has got right now which is you know scoring goals because like we've seen on Saturday again just like we did against Fulham at the start of the season Everton can do a lot of good except put the ball in the opposition back of the opposition's net so hopefully Beto can come in and fill that void and adjust to English football as well because obviously this is a massive step up for him personally you know it's okay scoring goals in Serie A and we've seen people score goals in Serie A but that doesn't necessarily mean that they will you know come in and hit the ground running the Premier League it's a totally different challenge and a totally different you know demand playing in the Premier League than what it is in Serie A so you know Everton have got a a few things that they're going to be hopeful for, you know, in terms of a better adjustment to life in the Premier League and, and being able to score goals. But it's certainly a positive transfer and positive acquisition. And, and you just now hope that he does fill that massive void that is in Sean Dyche's squad. And, and also, as well, you know, it helps as well take the burden off Dominic Calvert-Lewin because obviously we've seen for so long now that if Dom's fit and firing, then, you know, Everton wouldn't have, wouldn't have any concerns or any issues regarding goal scoring. Unfortunately, last two years, he's not been fit enough on you know, he's been unfit more than, than fit. 
So now you, you kind of get the feeling that this will at least enable Sean Dyche once Calvert Lewin is back fit and Beto is in the thinking that you know he can mix things up and do and, and rest and rotate and, and, and know that he's not reliant on Dominic Calvert Lewin. I think is the, is one of the big positives from all this. Yeah, I, I don't think you know it'd be a surprise to any of our listeners to say that you know neither me or you watch Udinese every single week by by any means. I thought you were, you know would have been a, a keen Serie uh, Sunday night fan. No, now, now I'm a bit older. I've got actual responsibilities, mate. I've, uh, I've, got to, I've got to do sort of growing up stuff now instead of just tuning in for foreign football. But um, from, it, it seems like from from everything you, you've seen of him in videos and stuff, and I'm sure we've all done the, the YouTube scouting routine by now um, and watched the videos with the horrendous background music. Um, gone down a few rabbit holes there. Uh, but he, he, looks, he looks ideal, doesn't he, I think, for, you know, you said there about, about Calvert-Lewin and, and finding somebody who can effectively do what he does. And I think we've spoken on the pods a bit this season, sort of saying, well, that's easy easy to say, but to find somebody who is six foot four and is mobile and who can chip in with the odd goal as well is, is not easy. You know, players who are established doing that in the top leagues around Europe tend to, to cost you know, 40, 50, 60 million pounds. Mm. Uh, but th- this lad seems like he's he can do a bit of that. You know, a lot of the goals, which I think he scored, which you've seen, Online, uh, him racing through onto to passes, and um, either balls over the top or balls threaded in between the fullback and, and centre back, which is which is encouraging. So he can certainly shift to someone who's got that that frame as well. And I think if you just think about the way Everton have, have played under Dice Connor, and there have been times where it looks like it's it's sort of worked up until the point which it hasn't, which tends mm. to be, you know, the ball being launched into the channel, getting on the end of things that that final. You know, touching the, the penalty here that we've, we've spoken about already this season. So you can sort of see where he'd be a, a bit of a, a plug in and play option, can't you? As opposed to somebody like Chimiti, you said there, who is who's going to take a bit of developing. It feels like this lad's a bit more rough and ready to go and should be able to adapt to the Premier League relatively quickly given his physical stature. Yeah, I think Sean Dyche, you know, summed up quite perfectly, really, in his comments, you know, a punch. Um, Beto signing when he says, you know, he's a powerful striker who can carry the ball, holds up play, is strong in the air and works half the team. He has a lot of attributes that we hope can seem prove to be a success for Everton, which I think is, you know, in terms of just them them four or five things there, they're huge, aren't they, for Everton? Because when you do play with one forward, a long forward, there's a lot of reliance on them. I mean, that's quite fortunate to speak to Donald Calvert Lewin after the sporting game and and he alludes to that, you know, like he, he said, Well, when I play, you know, I have to put a shift in, I have to, you know be the number one forwards and get around the pitch and you know there's there's no there's no time to shrink or there's no time to hide as as, as Everton centre forward you've got to put a lot of work in. So I think for Beto it's for Everton it's as much them attributes as it is him actually scoring goals. Obviously it'd be great if he does score goals, but there's a lot more to to life being an Everton number nine than just scoring goals or getting yourself in a position to score goals because you have to put a real shift in and you have to do a lot of hard work in and around the you know the the, the box and in and around, you know, holding up holding up play and stuff like that, which, you know, we've seen Everton struggle to do. You know, you think of last season at Old Trafford, for instance, Aaron Anfield, and, and this is no pick on Anfield, simply because he led the line on both of them occasions. But, you know, Everton couldn't get out because they couldn't get the ball to a recognised centre-forward, you know, experienced centre-forward, who could relieve that pressure. But you think of the, the difference that Dominic Calvert-Lewin made against Arsenal in Sean Dyche's first game, went for 60 minutes, he was an absolute nuisance, held the ball, draw fouls, allowed his team to go up the pitch. And that's what Everton need on a weekly basis. They need that person. Aston Villa, again, was another prime example recently. 
you know, once Calvert Loom went off, the ball just wouldn't stick up top. And Everton just kept coming under pressure and more pressure. And you know, don't you eventually that pressure's gonna tell. Um it takes its toll. So that's what Everton needs as much as someone could go goals, someone who can hold the ball up. And and we've said this before on the pod, the problem Everton have, have long had is because when Calvert Loon is is fit, he's so good that trying to replace him or bring in someone who can who can play instead of him if he's not available is really hard because there's not many players out there who can do what Dominic Calvert-Loon does for Everton who are not expensive or not at a, coming at a high premium rate. So that's why I think this deal for Beto is is really impressive because I just think he, he ticks a lot of the, the boxes in terms of what I suspect Sean Dyche will have wanted. He'll tick a lot of boxes in terms of what Kevin Fellwell and the, the club will have wanted in terms of his age, his profile and stuff like that. So... Yeah, is just a really positive side. You know, not only is it full, but he's going to have all the attributes that you need in a Sean when you, you know you need in a Sean Dice team. And he's also at that perfect age where you know twenty twenty five, you know, hopefully about to hit his peak. You know, blossoms or Everton and, and, and develops, and you know, further down the line, either becomes you no know, prolific Premier League centre forwards, and Everton could maybe you know make more make more money on the the, the investment that they've made if they were to sell him. But it just seems to me a, a really you know sensible transfer. I think you've got to commend Kevin Fowler for getting this one over the line because it kind of makes it probably not being easy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and he obviously did his interview with the, the club channels and we got the, you know, usually when players sign, you get the typical statement through Connor and it's quite similar and boring, isn't it? But there's a few nice little lines from him in this one. Um, of course, he said he spoke to Gerard De La Feu about his time at Everton and I think De La Feu has since tweeted saying, you know, you know, enjoy the toffees, lad, or something along those lines. <laughs> obviously, um, rekindling his scouse lingo there. Uh, and Beto himself also said that after watching his idol Samuel Atu play for Everton, he, he's an Everton supporter as well. So not not choosing to to follow Atu's allegiances to Barcelona or to Inter Milan. Um, it's his time at Everton, which is which is really stood out for him as well. So nice that he's uh, aware of the football club from from watching Atu wear the number five and rip up Burnley, and of course through his uh, his now former teammate Delafeu too. Yeah, it was it was very interesting, wasn't it? I think it's, it's safe to say more than anything. I think it was um, interesting and unexpected. <laughs> I think was some of them lines in, in that press release. I don't think anyone quite, you know, would have expected Beto to a bit that he dreamed as a school lad to play Goodison. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't normally, you know, as much as we all love Goodison Park, and you know, we'll be sad to see it go when it when it goes soon. You know, just, you, you don't suspect many Portuguese. Players sitting there in, in high school dreaming of playing at Goodison when you've got some of the, the great arenas in, in, in world football. But no, it was, it's, and it's nice to hear, isn't it? You know, I think more than anything, it's, it's nice to hear that you know, obviously he did pay close attention to Samuel Atu's career and he didn't, he didn't switch off once he left Barcelona or into Milan or, you know, one of the, the bigger high profile clubs. And, you know, it's up to Everton now, isn't it, to, to create a chapter for him in terms of, and, and also himself, Beto, to, to create a chapter now at Everton where he leaves his own legacy. You know, you think of Samuel Atu's time at Everton. Didn't really, you know, blossom into anything that they showed signs of promise on, on, on occasions, but you know, in the end, it kind of just fizzled out. And obviously, the same could probably be said to De- about Delafeu in the sense of, you know, 
showed signs of real promise at certain points, but you know, essentially just fizzled out very much large like his, his career unfortunately has. So, you know, hopefully now Beto will, will make a third time look. He needs one who kind of leaves Goodison Park with, you know, some sort of a some sort of status among Everton supporters for all the right reasons and, and not the wrong reasons. But yeah, it was it was interesting and I think, you know, obviously it's a, it's a dream come true for the lads and now he's hopefully gonna repay those in blue with, with plenty of goals. Yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot now, mate, because he's wearing the number 14 shirt. Yeah. Can you name the last players to wear our number 14 shirt? Stephen Naismith. So he, there's four that have followed Stephen Naismith, so there's four that came after him. There's four that come after him? Yeah. Neither of the, none of them really worked, which maybe doesn't play particularly well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stephen Naismith was... Yeah, so Naismith had it between 2012 to 2016. And then I'll give you, I'll give the answers out. I'm sure there's people listening to this screaming at the, the phone. Oh, uh, so following him, Sheng Tosin is one, yeah. He had it 2017 to 2021. Uh, there's two before him. They were Umar Yas and Yannick Balassi wore it for a season as well. All right. Yeah, and the most recent one gave it up last season, uh, Andros Townsend. Of course, yes. Yeah, so there's a few players that have come in there and not done well, had bad injuries, so hopefully he can uh, can rid the curse of the number 14 shirt, certainly the, in, in the last four anyway. But um, no, I think it's, a, it's an exciting acquisition, certainly, and, and hopefully he comes in and, and does well for us. Um Moving on to on-pitch stuff, mate, we'll have a look back and then have a look forward before we wrap up today. Um, Wolves on Saturday, just... It was, I wouldn't say it was quite a carbon copy of the, the Fulham game, but I think Everton were, were quite as dominant. I think Wolves showed a little bit more in the second half, certainly, and or maybe not. it wasn't quite as a smash and grab, but there were certainly very familiar threads that ran through both games where, uh, you know, being in the Gladys Street, I've got no idea how I've died the core, I didn't score that header. Um, at the end, you know, the park and James Tarkovsky missing from for a few yards out, and um, it was just another really, really frustrating day, wasn't it? And as much as we can sit here and say, you know, try and take the positives and try and you know look look ahead, and, and we can carry that to Sheffield United, and other games will be fine. It's it's another huge opportunity missed, isn't it, to get three points? Because as far as two home games to start the season go. You know, if you want you tend to want to avoid newly promoted teams coming up, don't you, early on, they can always spring a surprise. You could probably you'd probably pick Fulham and Wolves as two ideal ones, wouldn't you? And we've got no points and no goals from both of those games. Yeah, that's the real disappointing thing for me is that, you know, as I left Goodison Park about half six, seven o'clock on, on Saturday night, it was that, you know, sinking feeling which I've had a fair few times over the years to be fair. But, you know, that sinking feeling of well that's another team who you was expected to to have beaten, who they've not who they've been beaten by. You know, this wasn't you know, this it felt like another game that got away from Everton, didn't it? And I think that's the real, you know, concerning thing because I said on the pod quite early on this summer that when the fixtures dropped, what we kind of got in this opening month or four weeks before the international break was very much if we had to all write down fixtures on paper would not be very far from what we actually got in, in reality. And yet, you know, like you say, Everton City and Albert haven't been absolutely battered by Aston Villa and, and up 4-0, but it could have been more, you know, you could argue should have been maybe more. 
and then they've lost both home games one one nil after dominating for large spells, creating a whole host of chances, not taking them, being hit with sucker punches. And if I'm being honest, hit being hit by conceding two really poor goals. You know, the, the, both goals Everton conceded the home this season have not been very good. You know, they're not. It's not like a, you know Wolves or Fulham carved Everton open. They've been you know from a, especially Saturday's one from a defensive point of view quite quite diabolical really that you know some of the ball some of the way into the back of the net so that's the real disappointing thing for me I think is that they've, they've tossed away six points already and you know I wrote this on Saturday night and people might see it a little bit harsh but you know for me Everton's battle to avoid relegations to Skybet Championships already begun unfortunately and that's just the reality that Everton the club are in and now people will take comfort because well not comfort but will we you know, at least eased by the fact that there's a lot of other clubs in the Premier League. I think there's four others that are on zero points so far. Um, so I think people will take comfort from from that and Everton are not cut adrift already. But certainly in terms of Wolves and Fulham, they're two opponents who you would have expected Everton to at least take four points from, if not six. And I think the worst part was was that Wolves, for a large part of Saturday, were pretty dreadful themselves. <laughs> they're not a very good team. And, you know, if they're down there fighting relegation against the, this season, you wouldn't be surprised from what we've seen at the weekend. But yet they still come away with a, a 1 0 win. So, yeah, it was, it was another day of disappointment, I think. And I think any supporter who left Goodison Park, perhaps feeling that this, the battle to avoid relegation has already begun, would be right to do so. Yeah, I think that the issue for me, and, you know, I think we've spoken a lot about the issues at the top end of the pitch, and we all kind of know about them. But I think going into the the end of the window, I think in your head you have like an idea of what parts of the squad like you're happy with. So like in, in my head, I've sort of gone, you know, centre midfield. Yeah, I'm all right with that. Yeah. Fullback. Yeah, I'm all right with that. And then you, you go and watch them play and you see, you know, what happened at the weekend. And I think, you know, maybe in the, certainly the two games most recently, the Villa game and the, the Wolves game, I think fullbacks has, looked, has suddenly looked at a big problem again. You know, Nathan Parsons not started the season well at all. I think Ashley Young has struggled a lot as well in, in the early weeks of the season. You, you were hoping that he'd sort of come in and be a dependable option for us, but he, he hasn't really looked like that so far. And even in midfield, you have a situation where you know the balance doesn't really seem to feel quite right. Madrissa um, Gay struggled, and Anna's been in and out. You know, I think the core was probably our best player in fairness on on Saturday, um, along with, with Jared Brownthwaite, but. It just feels like every time you think an issue's settled and you're, and you're happy with it and content with it, you yeah. see it like that. And it's like, oh, wait, you know, we could do with another fullback or two, or we could do with another midfielder or two. To, midfielder or two. And, and listen, I appreciate we're not going to solve every problem between now um, and Friday at 11 o'clock, but the squad still does feel, you know, when, when the squad gets examined and put under pressure and, you know, gets involved in difficult games, you start to see a few more little weak points emerge. Yeah, you do. And I think leaving Goodison Park on, on, on Saturday evening, you could have easily made a case for Everton needing to bring in another centre-back before the window closes and another centre midfielder, which when you think at the start, there's somewhere there were two areas where you thought, well, they're all stocked, they've got enough and they should be able to, 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 to cope, basically, you know, at least for this season, get away with it almost. But yeah, what we've seen in the first three games so, so far this season has indicated that Everton are well short in both of them areas. I mean, you know, Idrissa Garnagay was, was really good, I think, in his, in his first spell at the club. But I think, you know, last season he showed his, his frailties a little bit. I think this season he's been really, really poor. I think he's really struggled. But I think Sean Dyche has a massive problem when it comes to Idrissa Garnagay in the sense of 
he's the only midfielder he's got who can naturally play in front of the back four and is happy to play in front of the back four is, is his natural position. So I think, you know, when I wrote this in, in, in my analysis on for, for, for Sunday in the sense of when it comes to guys, there's, there's probably a good argument now that guy needs to take on the team. If, if we're being honest, you know, his passing, for instance, on Saturday was just dreadful. You know, I don't know how many times he got the ball up. I got, got caught in possession. But he's the only number natural number six the club have got. So does Sean Dice risk taking him out of the six and then having to put one of, you know, Garner to Corey or an R in there, but then knowing that that's not their natural favourite position. But at the same time, it at least means it's taking Garner Gay out of the firing line. Or does he just persist with Garner Gay in the hope that it'll at least enable Garner, Onana or Decore to get the best out of them in, in fair positions fair up the pitch? I think it's a real dilemma for Sean Dyche, but I think the way things are going are just the Garner guys almost playing themselves off the team as performances, if, if we're being honest. So I think that highlights the need, Everton's need for another centre, a central midfielder to, to, you know, certainly from a defensive midfielder point of view, to come in and at least give guys some comp- sort of competition and give Sean Dyche another option if he's not willing to to put one of James Garner and Mazzuino and Arnold to Corey in there. And I think from a defensive point of view, I think Everton have always been a little suspect defensively. I do think, you know, there's, there's always been question marks over whether Michael Keane's good enough or. Mason Hargate, obviously, he's now gone to Southampton, but whether he was good enough, Ben Godfrey, whether he's good enough. Um, but for me, you know, I think James Tarkovsky struggled as well the last couple of weeks. And I think, you know, I said this on Friday, but it was probably never going to happen. But if anyone, if James Tarkovsky would have been dropped alongside Michael Keane on Saturday after Villa, no one could have complained. And no one could complain if James Tarkovsky is dropped for Bramall Lane on, on Saturday because he didn't cover himself in much glory for that goal. Neither Nathan Patton, neither Jordan Pickford, in fairness. But it just feels like every sort of defensive, every frailty that Everton have got just seems to get highlighted and grown bigger and bigger with each passing week. And, you know, I think while Sean Dyche would at least like to bring in one or two more players to strengthen their areas of the pitch, he's not going to. And I think he's he's, he's essentially being left with prioritising certain areas of the pitch. But I think as things stand... The real worry is that it won't be enough and that the gambles in certain areas of the pitch, maybe midfield and defence, could come back to banks because what we've seen so far this season hasn't been good enough and it all looks a little bit disjointed. The one main positive, and you know, we sort of spoke about it on Friday and have been speaking about it for since the start of the season, really, but Jared Brown came into the team and looked very much at East, didn't he? You know, listen, I'm sure he will have other bigger test than this throughout the, the course of the season. We were playing against a team last year that scored less goals than Everton and, and Silver is a striker who's struggled since he came to, to English football. But, you know, we can only come up, deal with what he came up against and he, he dealt with it very well, didn't he? And I think there were a few times where he made good recovery runs, good tackles, but the standout thing, Connor, was just how, how easy he looked on the ball to me and how he seemed to take his time, never really looked rushed or flustered. And, could pop those little passes into midfield and bring it out when when we needed it. And um, he's just got to stay in the side now, hasn't he? He's come in, he's taken his chance. The shirt is his, and it's going to be a case of somebody playing out the skin to take it off him or, or him dropping off because based on, based on Saturday, he looks well ready to be playing Premier League football. He was superb, wasn't he? From start to finish, he just looked so... He looked like he'd been playing Premier League football for, for years, for years, you know. There's one moment for me that really summed up, and I think it was, it was midway through the second half where... He chased after Pedro Neto, brushed Neto off the ball, and then just easily passed the ball into midfield as if it was like, you know, a Sunday morning walk in the park, and just kind of 
you know, as I say, like I've done dusted his hands and said, Well, I've done my job there, you know, there's the ball back type thing. Um yeah, I thought he was superb. And I think the the most telling thing now, I think, for me is a hundred percent deserves to keep his shirt. And he, you know, he does not know that he could fast become Everton's first name on a team sheet in terms of centre back. But B, I actually think it's gonna take one hell of a performance from someone like either Michael Keane or Ben Godfrey to even get close to taking the shirt off of Brownfield if he continues to produce what we saw on Saturday moving forwards because he was that good and he was that you know comfortable on the ball. And for me, the feeling around Goodison was just so much different. You know, when he was in possession, no one was panicking. You know, unfortunately for Michael Keane, you know, whenever he's on the ball, you start to feel the, the fear a little bit around Goodison. But there was none of that when Brownfield was on the ball. It was almost as if like people were like, oh, you trust him to to make the right option, you know, to do the right thing and. You know, you can see why, like the PSV, you know, the big clubs have supposedly been interested in Brownfleet because he looks to have the whole package. And it, I know we, we touched on it on Friday, but it does seem quite baffling, doesn't it, that he's not been in and around the picture uh, so far this season. But he was given his chance on Saturday. He certainly took it. He sent the perfect message to his boss. And for me, you know, he's got to stay in the side now for the foreseeable because he is one for the future and he's someone who you can see blossom to, blossoming to become one of the best centre-backs in the, in the Premier League because he just seems to have it all in terms of pace, power, the ability to, to you know, get on the ball and keep and keep ball, make the right passes. So for me, he's got to keep his shirt, he's got to stay in the team and you know he's one to be excited by. I think in a, in a time when Everton fans have got very little to be excited by, if we're being honest, from a play perspective, he's certainly someone who you think, you know, is, is, is someone to be excited by. And, and I think, you know, we certainly won't, not for the future as much because we all, we all see on the weekend what he can do, but he's certainly one you, you hopefully see playing for Everton for years to come. Yeah, looks the business, doesn't he? Um, and hopefully he can continue to kick on. If only Sean Dyche was listening to me in the summer when I told him, <laughs> him James clearly not a listener to the, to the Royal Blue podcast. Oh, well, he? um, yeah, hopefully I also wrote it as well. But yeah, at least yeah. now the message finally got through and he's, you know. Yeah, me the Jared Brantway, me the Jared Brantway front page in the summer <laughs> to uh to get to get back to the girl. Um, but let's let's chat about tomorrow quickly, mate. Obviously, League Cup round two. Um, it's Doncaster Rovers away. Um, they are bottom of the entire football league. <laughs> uh, I was in the bottom of the Premier League, so of course it's on the telly. Uh, obviously, I think the broadcasters are hoping for a bit of an upset here, aren't they? In this one. Um, but from Everton's point of view, how how much rotation do you go with? Because there will be rotation, obviously, won't there for, for this game? Um, as much as you know, a lot of fans and I think our very own Chris Breezley is very much of the the mindset that you go all out to to win these competitions. I think managers always make these changes, don't they, for the early rounds of the competition? But but put yourself in in Sean Dice's shoes again. Um, <laughs> going ahead to, to this game, um, do you make? 10 changes, you make five changes, you make you make no changes. How, how strong do you go for this one? I don't think he can make 10 changes. I don't think he's got enough options to make 10, to make 10 changes, <laughs> as, as, as mad as that sounds. Um, and I think it's certain areas he's got too many options to pick from. Just like, for instance, you look at like the forward line, you know, you, you'll probably say Mope or Schmitty will come in after not playing at the weekend. There's um, also Tom Cannon. So he's essentially got three going into one. But then there's other areas of the pitch where, you know, you think at right back, for instance, it's probably going to have to be Nathan Patterson because there's no, you know, Seamus Coleman's still a while off and there's no one kind of there um, to, to come in and replace him, especially when you can you can think that Ben Goffrey will probably be given another centre-back alongside Michael Keane. Um, 
you suspect James Tarkovsky and John Bromford might be giving the night off. Mikhailenko could come in at left. I think Mikhailenko come in at left back for Ashley Young. But then when you look, you know, you look at midfield, it's pretty slim in terms of what you can actually do. You know, there's not. Sean Lee doesn't have loads of options in the areas, and Shane doesn't have loads of options in the wide areas earlier. Maybe, maybe young players wide left or wide right. But then, was he given one to give him the night off? Given he's played three consecutive you know, Premier League games, and then in terms of youngsters coming in, there's not that many kinds of who you think are in a position to be knocking on the door to get a game. In a sense, you know, Stanley Mills has obviously gone out alone. Lewis Wellington's gone out alone. Reece Welsh has gone out alone. So a lot of the players who perhaps would have earmarked for for a run out in, in this this type of game are at the club. So I think it's going to be really... I think he'll make changes. First and foremost, he'll definitely make changes. Yal Virginia might come in come in uh, for Jordan Pickford in goal as well as is another one. But I don't see how he can really make wholesale changes. I don't I don't think it'll be... You know, I don't see how it can be a case of like Frank Lampard last season with Swinging to Bournemouth when he made was it 10 changes I think it might have been or 9 or 10 changes. Um, I don't see how he can make them levels of changes because I just don't see where he has the options from unless he picks a very funky team. Um, I think of which everyone will be fearing the worst once once that team is <laughs> This this has all of all the hallmarks to be another Everton classic for all the wrong reasons. You know, I'm not gonna lie, when I seen on Saturday night that don't cast the bottom of League Two, you do get that little bit of a shudder where you think, Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> because we we've all been here before, have Yeah, well, only uh, only us would do that, wouldn't they? You know, when, bottom when, of the entire football league. Oh when, no. When, 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 <laughs> Ever have been here before when they, they probably played better teams and we feared the worst. When the, it's almost like the role reversed, look the fact they're playing such a, a team who've had such a poor start to the season. Everton fans fear the worst even more than if they were playing, you know, someone doing well in the championship. So I think he'll make certainly make changes, Sean Dyche, but I don't see how he can make wholesale just because simply he doesn't have the options available to him. If Andre Gomez is back fit, he could potentially come back in for a for a start. Um but obviously he's been out injured with a knock, so whether they want to, you know, risk him. I think it'd be quite interesting as well because there's a few players who are still being linked up moved away, isn't he, in the squad, whether they play or not, because you suspect that if they are, you know, under consideration to leave, then Sean Dyche may not play them in fear of they pick up a knock, which you know prevents a possible outgoing transfer. So that'll be an interesting one. I think there might be a few hints there. But yeah, I think changes will be made, but I don't see how changes wholesale changes can, can be made, which is will make things very interesting, I think, in here. Come, come tomorrow night when team news drops. But yeah, I think there's just a feeling around this game, isn't it, of like, we all know what's coming next. Um, just get out of the way. I would yeah. hope that Everton proved me wrong and, and win emphatically and win a, a, nice, a nice way and a, a good way. Um, but we've all been here before and an emphatic win has been any, anything but the outcome. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd be surprised if they made it easy. I don't, I don't, yeah. think, they'll, I don't think they'll get beat, but, you know, it's just, it feels like every time we play like a game like this at the start of the League Cup, you know, I remember, was it Lincoln we played a few years ago? Yeah, we've seen that in a minute or something like that. Yeah, yeah, just like seems to make such hard work of them, but um, I mean, you probably go 4-4-2, won't you, just so we can get one of the extra forwards on the pitch and drop the other out. Seems the most realistic option, I yeah. like to say. If he's to play one up top, he's to suggest three forwards vying for one position. And you, you know, you might think maybe does he give more play a game to try and get him a goal? <laughs> it's mad as that yeah. sounds just to get to get his confidence back up, you know, if he can try and get him on the pitch and and, and get, get him a goal. So yeah, I think just a few aspects I think to make big tomorrow night a bit interesting. 
Um, but I'm 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 with bees. I I have long thought that Everton should take the league cup seriously. I mean, it's long kind of always graced on me that they don't managers haven't taken the league cup seriously, especially when you consider you know Everton have won a trophy since 1995. You know we're not Manchester City. You know it's not, it's not like we win a trophy every season or every other season. So you know it's like oh we'll we'll give this one a miss this year. We're not we're not really that interested. Everton you know been struggling to get anywhere near silverware for a long time. So. I would like to see to see us go all out and take this seriously, but I suspect Sean Dyche will be looking at Saturday's fixture away at Sheffield United, the Premier League, and thinking, no, is the big club's big priority this week and, and not a League Cup tie at Doncaster. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what he does and where he goes. And like I said, I think changes obviously naturally will be made, but I don't kind of see how he can make real wholesale changes because I just don't think he has the squad. Yeah, going to be interesting. Anyone, anyone you're looking forward to hopefully getting seen make a run out? The, the only thing I'd say about the team is I'd just keep Bramford waiting now. Like, yeah. You know, he's waited a while for his start and, like, settle. Yeah, I, I don't really mind making any other changes, you know. I'm, I'm sort of the opinion that you take the League Cup seriously if you get to a point where you need to take it seriously, if you get what I mean. Like, yeah. if you get to the, the quarterfinals or something like that. I mean, you... Um, go on, sorry. No, I was just going to say, but like I just keep him in now. Like he's, he's been waiting. He's not played much footy this season. He looked good at the weekend, and I think you just say to him, you know, you're going to be our centre back for 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 a while now. So I'd, I'd keep him in. Um, but other than that, no, you're right. It's it's one of them. Like going into this podcast, I was thinking, right, I'd, I'd make wholesale changes for this game because Saturday is more important. But the, there just isn't the play, is there? You know, we've got we've got three centre forwards. You could play in Chimiti. Uh, Mope and Cannon, you know, and as we sit here now, we don't even know if Beto has been registered in time for, for this game. So he might be involved. He might be involved as well. So he might have four, four lads there. But you know, Sean Dyche is going to go four, two, four in that, in that yeah. sense. And, and also, um, well, you, th- you think of like someone like Lewis Dobbin, who perhaps ten days ago, yeah, as a running, but then given Evans' problems out wide, does Sean Dyche maybe not risk him because you know he might be in a thinker for Saturday? So I think it it'll highlight how unbalanced Everton's squad is more than anything tomorrow night if, if we're being if we're being honest, I think, you know, in terms of what to expect. You would like to think though, and this comment will probably come back to haunt me. But you would like to think that no matter who Everton put out tomorrow night, they should have enough to get past Doncaster. You know, Doncaster has a poor a poor start to the season and struggles and find themselves bottom of bottom of League Two. That Everton have got enough to get past, you know, this side. But that feels like a comment that could come back to haunt me at ten o'clock tomorrow night. Oh, no, I'm sure we'll be fine. I'm sure we'll be fine. Yeah, in that they're one. famous um, last words. <laughs> but if we're not, yeah, we're back on Thursday. So if we're back, if, if we're not fine on Wednesday night and we're back on Thursday, feel free to hammer us both in the comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was deserved. <laughs> yeah, it will be well deserved. Um, you know, don't blame Everton, blame us in that case. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll we'll wrap it up there. Uh, as I said, we'll be back on Thursday to look back at Doncaster and preview that huge game of Sheffield United uh, going up against Tom Davis again potentially uh, what an enticing prospect that is um, but cheers to Connor that has been your Royal Blue, Podca- Royal Blue Podcast all the words are in there <laughs> we'll speak to you again soon here at the Liverpool Echo you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo 